this is Isabel Fry, and this is the first episode of my new podcast series, Out of the Frying Pan. The aim of the podcast is really to have fun, to have conversations and chats with interesting people, to maybe hear some great music being promoted, but also to have conversations about things that affect us and to ponder some of the greater mysteries of the universe. So from that great introduction, today, the first episode is going to be looking at elections and why they're so important to us. 2024 is the year of global elections, 64 elections happening across the globe, 19 in Africa and four within SADC, Namibia, Botswana, South Africa, Mozambique. The point is elections are happening. We need to know as voters with the ability to change our future, why elections are so important, what are they all about. So I'm just going to look briefly into the idea of representative and participative democracies and why we need to exercise our vote and then focus on two really important things that we need to ask those people who want our votes right now, the politicians, so that we can go out from this podcast and understand what we need to be interrogating from the political party manifestos that are going to be launched in South Africa. So what is the matter with elections and why are they so important? In our modern democracies, decision-making has been bestowed to a very few number of representatives that voters have to trust will make the decisions in their best interests in usually a five-year term. And in turn, these people need to vote for the policies, the laws, and the budgets that will align with the promises made by the politician in their manifestos. So the manifestos are really the marketing offer that the politician has or the party in a sort of broader democracy has and says, these, this is how we're going to act in certain situations. Vote for us. These are our policies. But of course, we know five years is a long time. A lot can happen. COVID happened. So the people that we send to parliament are not going to have a blueprint for absolutely everything. And in that, and that's the reason why voters need to say, this is the person, this is the party whose values and ideologies I trust, and I know that in a new situation, they will vote on certain principles that I endorse. So you don't necessarily vote for the person, how they look, uh, or the color of the party and whether you like that, but on the principles that that person or that party represents. Because over this five-year period, um, they'll have to use those principles to vote on a number of things that we just don't know what they're going to be. But what does what we do know for sure is that the bills that come before Parliament, uh, the decisions that have to be made on policies, and how politicians vote on the budgets, the budgets are the taxes that are raised from you and I, whether it's through income tax or value-added tax or company tax. So how those decisions are made on the allocations of the money for the benefit of the nation those are the, the critical decisions that you need to trust this person as they go into Parliament. It's not just how they look on the State of the Nation address, red carpet is important, but it's, to be honest, it's, it's about how we know that they're going to decide and in whose favour and, and whose interests they're there for. So that's the representative democracy. We send our representative to parliament, whether it's at the national legislature um, or provincial. So the National Council of Provinces in South Africa is the second house. And we need to know that they know what they're doing, that they take effort uh, to read and understand submissions and they make the right decisions. 
Just as an aside, South Africa is more than just a representative democracy. We're also a participative democracy. So in the constitution, there were certain spaces and processes written in uh, which are meant to give ordinary people the ability to take greater control at a localized level of our lives. So if you think about the community um, uh, the, the police community police forum that's right school governing bodies and clinic community committees those are spaces where the frontline civil servants are meant to account to us the public in whose interests they are being public servants it's a great idea but too often most of us are too tired when we get home um, many of us um, don't have the same levels of education or skills or confidence and often the public servants have not been sufficiently trained in how to have great participative fora. So they're quite defensive or often these meetings just don't happen. We need, just as an aside, to be looking back into how we use participative democracy to ensure a localised well-being of our society. Uh, does local government fix the potholes? Um, do teachers come to school? Do the police um, offer a great service? Are they gendered um, in their nuances and how they work with uh, survivors of gender-based violence, et cetera, et cetera? That is up to us as ordinary people in this democracy to hold people to account. But let's just go back now from that little aside to elections that are forthcoming in May. So we've got provincial and we've got national elections. Um, People are going around in the next couple of weeks. Political parties are going to be issuing their manifestos. They'll look great or they won't look great. They'll use words which are big and lofty. We need to know how empty those promises are or how full of detail. And I would suggest the two main things that we need to be looking at is, to begin with, how do politicians view the public service, firstly? And secondly, how do they view taxation? Now, we often hear that the private sector does things differently, better, um, that the state is run down. People say we have a dysfunctional state or just a state that doesn't have great capacity. Let's just think about that for a minute. A state to be fully functional needs to be well-resourced. What we've seen over the last 30 years, due to uh, pressure from the private sector um, and for many people who are opting out of getting state services. People say, don't spend so much money on the state. Let's cut the public sector wage bill. Let's make sure that the people who are the frontline delivery people are getting paid less and less and have less and less of a share of what the state has to spend every year. Now, that just doesn't make sense. If we want the best teachers to be working in public schools. If we want to have the best decision makers and implementers as public servants, we need to make sure that the state is sufficiently resourced so you don't have to rob Peter to pay Paul. I think that's something we need to be asking. How do you see the role of the state? And I think the other thing to be really, really careful of is when people say, let's bring in the private sector. The private sector is there to make profit. And that's beginning and end where the state is there to deliver services, to spend government spend on making sure that services are, are there for everybody, um, they do so better or worse. But, I mean, that is the role of the state, is delivery. The private sector is there to make profits, and not just for the workers in the company, certainly not, but for the shareholders, many of whom don't even live in this country. So private sector comes in, uh, delivers a job, makes a profit, gives that, pays that as dividends to the shareholders. And increasingly, you see this globally. 
user fees start getting introduced. So ordinary people, you and I get told, oh, you want to have water? Well, you're going to have to pay for water. Oh, you want to have this? User fees start coming in, which initially are seen as a percentage of your salary. But when so many people are unwaged, it becomes a flat user fee in order to enable the administrators to pay for this uh, costs because um, the private sector company is reducing costs internally in order to maximize the profits that are being taken out. So I think we need to look at that um, and why that's being done. Can we not just be investing a lot more and having a good public service where people fear losing their jobs because the certainty, uh, the kudos, the standing that comes with being an effective and brilliant public servant is such that you don't want to lose that. So firstly, what does that individual, what does that political party think when it comes to the public service? Is it going to be an excellent one where we'll see inequalities in South Africa being reduced? Or will we continue to have really um, shortcut public service as being provided and the rich going and privatizing? So then the second is the money, the amount of money that the state gets. Again, we get told that um, on the one hand, we know that the state needs to have enough resources to spend. A lot of people, particularly middle class and richer people, say, well, we don't really trust the state. We don't like the services they provide. Increasingly, and very true, corruption, uh, the money gets stolen. But corruption's not the reason not to give money to the state. It's an ideological idea. Do we want the state to be well-resourced? Do we want to give our money? And if you look at the difference between social democracies in the Scandinavian countries, which have really high tax rates and more liberal countries such as the UK, um, the US, where taxes are frequently getting voted down, um, we can see that the benefits in the social democracies are a lot more stable societies, a lot more prosperous societies. So there we've got to think the more you tax in a way, the more you get. The less tax you pay, the more you've got to paved to privatize your own well-being. South Africa is really going in the way of, of the liberal um, democracies. And so those that have keep on to what they have and they don't want to share it with those that don't have. Um, and yet then ultimately those that don't have will take from the ones who do have. So look, looking at the tax rate, who pays the tax? Since apartheid, well, the last years of apartheid, corporate tax, company tax was over 50% of profits. Now that's down to 26 or 27%. Companies make a lot more money, keep their profits, and don't give it back to government. And yet government is the one that's meant to be paying for the schooling for the uh, staff that go into companies, uh, the well-being, the hospitals, the roads, et cetera, et cetera. But companies are not paying I think they, they, they're full contribution in taxes. Uh, we've also seen VAT, which is a flat rate tax um, increase, which was almost unheard of uh, when our trade unions were much stronger. The idea of the working class paying as much tax on consumption as middle classes and elites. And then individual tax, um, individual income tax, which is what's uh, charged for, for people who are working. So those are the three main sections. Why are companies paying so little tax? Um, and why is it not recognized that everybody is paying VAT? Is that on the rate that we want to have? And so just on the tax issue, uh, Oxfam released a report called Inequality Inc. Um, 
to coincide with Davos, the World Economic Forum meeting this week. And in it, they were very scathing in how globally companies have cut their taxes. They've cut salaries um, for workers, so they're not even using those profits to sow back into the workers that are making the companies great. They're reducing the security of contracts, so no longer do you have a job for life. They take the benefits out, um, so you don't have access to medical aid or or health um, or um, pensions if that's been privatized. So companies are maximizing their profits, keeping their profits and dividing them among shareholders, depleting governments of the kinds of money to make prosperous, help, happy and healthy societies. Um, and then you get an elite compact between the political elites and the government uh, and, and the corporate elites, um, which is not a happy situation that we want to have. Now, through the elections, we have the ability to say to politicians, when you get, if you get voted in, if you get my vote, what is your view on taxation? Should we be giving money back to the state in order to produce excellent uh, public services? Or are you going to privatize and make sure that those that have will keep what they have and those that don't have will not have an equalization? So you see, elections are really important. Um, as I said at the beginning, you can't anticipate every question that's going to come up, but you can look at the principles and the values of the people and the parties that are standing. Many people are, are tempted to say, it's a brave new world, we can't use the same ideas that we had in the past. I think uh, we can still look at the benefit of society if people are going to be pay getting paid from uh, my money to get into Parliament. I believe that they should be accountable, they should be well thought through, they should also be have doors open so that we can send submissions to them and say, this is what not what's happening. Why is it uh, that the state is having austerity budgeting when we're such an unequal society? We are the most unequal country in the world. We have unemployment rates of 41%. We have a high youth unemployment um, of just over 60%. 800,000 people go into uh, the labor market every year. We're not creating jobs for them. 11.7 million people don't have jobs. There's so much that can be done, so much that must be done. Make sure that the person who you decide on will get your vote. Um, and the party has the interest not just of the immediate short term of getting your vote, but of the development of the country um, and our society going forward. Thank you very much, and I look forward to our next discussion. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.